How are we doing? Are we happy? All right. If you're not, you will be by the end because that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. So, and if you if you're not at the end, then you got to come back tomorrow and until you get it right. So, we're going to be in um, continuing the series in Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians chapter four, and we're going to be looking at verses ten through fourteen. And if if you want to um, use a pew Bible there, I mean the chair Bible there. Um, I think it's, is it up there? I don't know if the page number's up there, but, um, but we're going to be kind of focusing on that. But I want to start out by talking about advertising. How many here love to watch commercials? All right, once in a while, maybe during the Super Bowl. It used to be during the Super Bowl, you actually liked watching them. Now it's getting kind of, even that's not that great. But I have a hard time, we don't have, um, um, cable or, or TV anymore, so we just use Netflix like that, so we don't have to deal with commercials as much. And part of the reason I got rid of it was because those infomercials would cost me money. Because they'd sit there, and, and, and I got to the point where I knew enough to wait, because soon there would be but wait, and then they'd double the offer, you know, just for a little bit more. But I'm watching some of these, and I saw one where it was like a shower head that actually lit up. And it, it, different lights, and the water would look like it's, you know, different colors c- coming out. And I was like, that is like the craziest thing ever. So I got one. So I have one in my shower, and it's pretty awesome. And then the other thing I saw that came after that was a light that glows in the dark. No, I'm not kidding. This is true. It glows in the dark that you put on your toilet. And I don't know, I haven't got that yet, because I'm still trying to figure out exactly why you would need that. So I, I guess if you want to go into the bathroom, you know, middle of the night, you know where the toilet is. But I think that would just kind of freak me out a little bit. So, But you've got this, these weird things that people are trying to sell you. And they're saying, if you get this, you're going to be happy. And I, I got to tell you, honestly, I am a lot happier when I'm taking a shower now, because it's all lit up and lighting, and it's really kind of cool. But... Um, but they always say, like, you need this, you need this car. If, if you want to drive this car, you're going to be happy. I just heard on the radio yesterday that Volvo, their, their thing is by 2020, they want to have it to where anyone who drives a Volvo won't be seriously injured or killed in a car accident. That's what Volvo's claim is. They want to go by 2020, and I'm saying if that's true, then... Let's just get rid of all other cars, and we don't have to worry about anything. But by 2020, no one is going to be in a Volvo and, and be hurt or killed in a car accident, unless you meet a semi, I guess. I don't know how that's going to work. But, but I'm, I'm listening to this, and then um, you've got the sleep number beds, where you can't sleep unless you know your number, which is really kind of frustrating because I didn't know that I had a problem until I found that out. And now I'm trying to figure out what number my bed is, and it's just a normal mattress. And I'm you know, trying to push buttons to get it to be firmer and, and stuff like that. But, but they're always trying to sell you stuff. They're saying, you're not happy unless you have these clothes, buy this car, eat this food. You're not going to be truly content in your life. Well, I looked at some of the advertising, and I said, if we wanted to be honest, if I were going to be the one marketing some of these advertisements, this is the way I would do it. WebMD. Anyone ever looked it up? WebMD, we've done that. I would say, WebMD, convince yourself you have a terminal illness. That's how I would market that. Or Best Buy. And, and some of these, you're gonna, this is going to cut 
kind of close to home, so just, I, I understand that. Best Buy, try it before buying it on Amazon. Okay, so, all right. And then the last one is Ikea. Everyone know Ikea, like the great furniture? We throw in extra parts just to mess with you. So, because I know that's true. I'll sit there and I'll have all these extra screws, and I'm like, something's going to fall apart because I don't have all the screws in place, I guess. So, But the marketing is out there because they're saying you're not content, you're not happy unless you have this product that we're trying to sell you. And Satan is out there spiritually trying to tell us the same thing. You're not content. You're not happy. And there's a reason for that he's trying to tell us. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had everything they could possibly want. Everything. The whole garden was theirs. And God says, this one tree out of the 4,622,000,000,000 trees out there, it's in the Greek, look it up, this one tree is the one I want you to stay away from. And so Adam and Eve were doing fine, and all of a sudden Satan comes up and says, hey, did he really say that you couldn't eat from that one tree? And they're like, yeah, yeah, and and Satan's like, no, he's telling you that because he doesn't want you to be happy. He's afraid that if you eat from that, then you're going to be like him. And so Satan started all the way back with Adam and Eve, breeding that whole idea of discontent, that we're not happy, we're not content with what we have. And we're going to kind of look at that um, today. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 14 as we continue this, this series in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. 10 through 14 says how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me this is Paul writing that you are concerned about me again I know that you have always been concerned for me but you didn't have a chance to help me not that I have was ever in need for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have I know how to live with almost nothing and with everything I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So here is Paul, and he's writing, and he's saying, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be happy in any situation, whether I'm starving or whether I'm full, whether I have a little bit. Or I have a lot. He says, in all those situations, I've learned to be content and to be happy with that. See, contentment or true happiness is an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God and knowing that he's in control of all that happens. True happiness and contentment comes from saying, I know that God is in control. I know that I'm right with God and that he's in control of everything that goes on. See, because all of us here, at one time, or maybe now, there's something in our heart. There's something inside of us that's missing, and we know that, and we knew that. And that something that's missing is in the shape of God. And when we try to fill that with anything else, it doesn't fill it. Because that hole that's inside of us, God says, that is the hole that only I can fill. And we try to fill it with so many different things to make ourselves happy, to make us content, and it doesn't work. I don't really like doing puzzles. Some, some people like doing those things. To me, it's just it's torture. 
And I remember one time I got a, I got a puzzle, and I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. Well, this was the worst thing in the world. They gave me the wrong cover to the puzzle. There is nothing more evil, I think, in the world than that. Because I'm sitting here looking at it going, this makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, like, the sky is yellow, and it was just, it was awful. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. So I'm putting it together, and I, I'm ashamed to say this, but I literally did on one puzzle. There was a piece that was really getting me mad. And I went into the garage, and I got a hammer. And I, I made that piece fit. And when that puzzle was done, I'd probably use that hammer on a few different pieces. And when I looked at that, I said, this is nothing like the picture that they were supposed to send me. And it was an ugly puzzle. And I looked at it and I said, I, I didn't do it the way that it was intended. I just kind of tried to cram things in. And when we try to cram things into our life to make us happy, and we try to cram things into that hole in our life that God says only he can fill. Our life looks like that puzzle. It makes no sense whatsoever. And so I want us to, to think about when we look at Philippians, when Paul says, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be happy in any situation. No matter what situation comes in my life, I've learned how to be content in that situation. So we want to look at this. The first thing we want to look at is contentment comes when we put our focus on Christ and not our circumstances. If we want, when I talk about happiness, I'm not talking about, we're going to talk about this in a second, like being happy because something good happened. I'm talking about true happiness that comes, that, that comes from within. And that's what contentment is, is that true happiness that we can have in our lives. But, can, but it comes from putting our focus on Christ and not our circumstances. In Matthew 14, 28 to 31, the, the, the scene here is that Jesus has sent his disciples off. He said, you know what, get in the boat, go across the lake, and I'll meet up with you later. So later on, Jesus, it's getting dark, and Jesus is like, I'm going to walk out. This is the cool thing about it. He just says, I'm going to walk out to them because he's Jesus, and he can do that. But how cool is that? that he can just say, you know what, I don't need a boat. And he just starts walking, and it's like... No big deal. And he's walking on the water, and he gets up to the boat, and all, all of a sudden the disciples start freaking out. And they said, it's a ghost. There's something crazy here. There's someone walking on the water. And he says, don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. And so here's Peter. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. All right? I don't know about you, but that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing that Jesus says, yeah, come on out. And so Peter's like, okay. And that's just the way Peter is. And I've said this before. Peter's a lot like me. Act and then think. All right? So that's what he's always been. So he's like, okay. Jesus says, come out. He just gets out and he starts walking on the water. This isn't normal. This isn't something that fishermen go, yeah, I'm going to walk out to that fish. So here's Peter. He gets out and he starts walking toward Jesus. But then it says, but when he saw the strong wind in the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Peter had his eyes on Jesus. He's walking on the water. He's having one of the coolest moments of his life. 
But then all of a sudden he looks around, he sees the waves, and he's like, whoa. (laughs) And he starts to sink. When his eyes came off of Christ, he started to sink. In the same way, if our contentment is based on our circumstances, we're going to sink a lot of times. If, if our contentment is based on our circumstances, we're going to be on a roller coaster. I don't know about you, but when, probably I, I'll say 15 years ago, I really enjoyed roller coasters. And then all of a sudden my body decided that it didn't like roller coasters anymore. And my stomach started getting all weird on these things. And, and so I don't really do a lot of roller coasters. I remember one time, it was a few years ago, we're going on a, and it was, at the time it was the largest roller coaster in the world or in the U.S., or at least in that city. And so I'm on this roller coaster, and we're going up, and it's like, ching, 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 ching. For like three hours, it's like, ching, ching, ching. And all I can picture is like all of the, the track falling behind me as we're going up. It's just like falling down. And we get up. I'm sitting in this thing, and I, and I happen, for whatever dumb reason, to be sitting in the very front car. And I don't know why. It's not like I'm sitting there going, yeah, I'll do that. I'm stupid. So I'm up there. I'm in the very front car. And I've got this little girl next to me. We're hanging over the edge. And as we're coming up, we're hanging over. And so we have to wait for the rest of the cars to catch up before we go down. And all of a sudden, we're just hanging there. And I look down. And I do not see the track. I don't, I mean, that's how, that's how this thing's going. It's going, I don't know what it's doing, but it's not doing something I should be on. And all of a sudden, this little girl starts screaming, like, Wah! okay, it was me. But she's like, Wah! she had her hands up, like, this is so cool. And I'm sitting there, you know, like screaming. And we go down, and we get down there, and I was just like, wow, that is by far the dumbest thing I think I've done in a long time. And I said, I am not doing a roller coaster. And I haven't done roller coasters forever. Last summer, my little niece decided she wanted to go on a roller coaster. And nobody wanted to go with her. It was a kiddie park. So I was like, all right, I think I can probably handle this. Well, we got on this thing. We got, and it's just like, you know, going all over the place. We got done. And I was just like, I am not even going back on that one again. And, of course, here's this little girl. Can we go again? You know, and I was like, go find your grandmother. So get out of here. But it's that, that idea of the, the, that roller coaster, that is how our life feels. So many times when we sit there and we try to base our happiness on the circumstances around us, because when things are going well, man, we're way up here. But then all of a sudden something stinks in our life and we're down in, in that little valley. And then it's going to be back up and down. And our life continually does that. When our focus is on our circumstances around us, and it's not on Christ, that's what's going to happen. We're going to be up and down all the time. See, contentment, and when I use contentment and happiness, I'm kind of using those um, synonymous. You like that? That's a big word there, isn't it? Synonymous. So, um, Contentment is an attitude. It's an attitude that we have. Look at Philippians. We'll go back to Philippians chapter 4. In verse 13, it says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What Paul's saying there is he's saying, even in the hard times, I can be content through Christ because he's going to give me the strength. 
when it doesn't feel like I should be happy or content here, I can do that because I have that attitude of knowing that God is in control. So, it, you know, contentment doesn't come. It doesn't come from what you have. The nice house you have, the nice car, that doesn't bring contentment. It doesn't come from where you live. And originally I put down it doesn't come from who you know. And I changed that. Because contentment truly does come from who you know. If you know Christ. True contentment comes from who you know. If that is Christ. True happiness comes when we know who Christ is. It's an attitude of being satisfied with what God has blessed us with. When we realize what God has blessed us with, and we're satisfied with that, that's what contentment is. So the second thing you look at is contentment comes when we realize we're not home yet, that this earth is only a temporary stop. I don't know about you, but I'm really glad for that, that this isn't the end. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that believe that this is it. This is the best there is. And the way I put it here is if we are, and Pastor Matt has said it along the same lines, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, this earth is the worst it's going to be. This earth is our hell if we're believers in Christ. But if we sit there and we don't believe that Jesus is coming back, we don't believe that there's a heaven that we're going to be reunited with God. This is the best there is. This is heaven in that case. So the strange thing is, you can be standing next to another person in the exact same situation. The exact same situation. And it's going to be hell for one and heaven for another. As far as the way you look at it. It's the best it's ever going to be, or, the, or this is the worst it's ever going to be. And that's the whole idea, is that this earth is just a temporary stop. And, and when we understand that, and we get a grasp on that, we can be content with that. Hebrews thirteen fourteen says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. I'm excited about that. I hope that you are too. So the third, third thing we look at when it comes to contentment is that it comes when we realize that God is in control even when it feels like he's not. Contentment comes when we realize that God is in control even when it feels like he's not. Deuteronomy 31, verses 6 and 8. We're going to read 6 and 8. It says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And then verse 8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you, and he will neither fail you nor abandon you. He's not, it says that he's going to go before us. Even when it feels like God is in, in control, he is. I don't know about you, but for the past six months, I have loved, adored, and can't get enough of the debates and all the stuff going on with the elections. Boy, it just excites me. I wake up going, I hope that they just decide to have another debate today just so that I can get through my day 
Because there's nothing else that excites me. Okay, most of you would agree that that's, it's getting ridiculous. But we look at this, and when we look at this stuff like that, and we sit there and we say, God, there are times, and this might be getting close to one, where I really feel like you've abandoned us. What is going on? And we, and we look at this, and we've got to sit there and say, even when it feels like God is not there, that he's still in control. I remember when we were moving out to New York. We were, we were moving from Nebraska, and we were moving out to New York. We got Susie and, my, and, and three kids. We get out there, and I'm at, I'm at this church, and I'm at, I'm at this church for a couple weeks. And, and loved the church. Things were going great. Something came up. There was an issue that came up that we had discussed earlier, but I guess the person I had talked to didn't fully understand what the question was. And so all of a sudden I realized, boy, this could end up being a problem. This might be a, a problem here. I've just, I'm at this church. I've just moved my entire family across the country, and we, we're looking, at trying to, to get a house. And all of a sudden something comes up to where we're like, am I at the right place? Is this where you want me, God? And I felt like, God, what, what's happening here? We were staying at some, a friend's house. We were staying in the basement as we were waiting um, to, to figure out where we are going to be living. And every morning, I was driving the school bus in town at the time. Every morning, like clockwork, I get up. The alarm goes off, and I was in a routine. I get up, alarm goes off. I go upstairs, take a shower. The family that we were staying with had left for a couple weeks to Germany. And so we, we kind of had free reign of the house. And, and so I was up there. And I'd go upstairs, go into the shower, take a shower, come down. Every morning, it was the same thing. Same time, nothing changed. Well, this happened. The next morning, I'm sitting there going, God, I'm struggling. I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. If this is where I'm supposed to be, I don't know. I need help. I get up, same time. Again, everything was the same. I go upstairs. As I'm getting to the top of the stairs, I hear a voice, a guy's voice in their bedroom. No one's home. All right, no one's home, but, I mean, and everyone else is downstairs in the basement sleeping. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, I have nothing that I didn't, I didn't take judo or anything like that, so I don't know what I'm going to do if there's someone breaking into the house. So I start creeping up closer to the bedroom, and I realize the radio is on. And I don't, I mean, I'm like, what in the world? I've, I've done the same routine, and it's never been on. And it's David Jeremiah. I don't know if you guys know David Jeremiah, great pastor, and he's got a radio program. And his words at that time, this is what it was saying, was, are you at a point where you just are confused? You don't know what it is that God wants for your life? And he said, you need to trust him that he knows exactly what's going on, and you're at the perfect place that you need to be right now. And I started freaking out because I've heard people talk like this, and I said, we're going to, you know, we got to incarcerate him or something. There's something wrong with him. And now I'm becoming one. And, and so, and then the radio just went off. That was it. For like 15, 20 seconds. Well, I'm going to tell you, I was in that shower and I was shaking. And I was scared. And another thing that bothered me was it didn't light. There was no lights on the shower. So it was really kind of like, this is lame. This is so boring. But I was in there and I was just like, all right, God, I get it. And sometimes he had to smack me in the head like that to get me to realize that he was in control. And there are times when we don't feel like that. We feel like, God, I don't know what's going on. But God says, I'm right there with you. 
most times he's not going to sit there and do that. Man, that was freaky. <laughs> but I knew that I was like, all right, God. And, and I'll tell you what, it was one of the greatest churches I ever worked in, besides Hope Church. Right there. Okay, so, but it was just a great church. And I, and I love the, the, the team that we had there working together and, and the ministry I had. And, it was, and God blessed me there, but he had to get to the point where he said, you're, you're where I put you. You've got to trust me with that. So contentment comes when we realize that God's there and he's in control, even when he feels, it feels like he's not. And then contentment comes when we truly, we're truly thankful for what God has blessed us with. If you truly want to be happy, it starts by being thankful for what God has blessed you with. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. To be thankful in whatever circumstance of what God has blessed you with. I'm going to put a shameless plug out now for our mission trip coming up this next summer. Because I can do that. So, we go, we're going to be going to Appalachia. Appalachian? So it's, my wife told me I was going to say it wrong, and I did. So, but they call it, they say it different. But we're going to be going to the Appalachian Mountains. And we're going to be going down into Kentucky, a couple hours um, away from Louisville. Going down in, into the poor area of the mountains. And they went last year, and basically what they said was, you get down there, and you start meeting with these people, and you say, boy, they have it pretty rough. And you start to realize, man, we are pretty blessed where we're at. And we're still in the U.S. But then what happens as you're talking to them, they sit there and say, hey, tomorrow we're going down to the hollows. Or as they say it, the hollers. Which is the valley, down in the valley. And, he, and they say, we're going down to where the poor people are. Which makes you realize, it's like, you know what, here these people are, they don't realize how little they have. They seem like they're happy with that. But then they say, we're going to go down and we're going to share with these people down here that have, have less than we have. And when you look at that, the way I look at it was, when we're focused on what we don't have. When we go through life and we're focused on, I don't have this, I don't have that. If I only had this, I'd be happy. If I only had a little bit more of this, I'd be happy. You're never able to truly sit there and serve somebody else. Because your focus is always on, what else do I need to be happy? But when we realize how much God has blessed us with, and how blessed we are, then it makes it a lot easier for us to turn and to look at that person in need and say, I can help them. Because I've been so blessed. So when we look at it and we realize that we're blessed, we can be thankful and content. Because there is nobody in this room, there is nobody in this room who can say they are the poorest person in the world. No matter where you're at in your life right now, there is somebody who has less than you. There is somebody who has less than you. And no matter where you're at, there is somebody who has more than you. And so you can, you can run that, that circle and sit there and say, I just want to get more and more. That way I can be happier. And realize the richest people out there a lot of times don't seem very happy because they're constantly trying to find more. But when we realize how blessed we are, then we can start looking at how can I do something with that blessing to help somebody else out. 
That's where contentment comes from, is understanding that we are blessed. Then the last one that we want to look at is contentment comes when we focus on the good and not the bad. So many times in our life, we focus on the bad in our life. And if something bad has happened in our life, man, that, that takes all of our focus. And we get our eyes totally off of the good things that God has given us. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. See, your focus determines your contentment, your happiness. If you're focusing on the good things that God has blessed you with, that brings contentment. When you realize how well we have it, that we may, we may not believe that a lot of times, but God has blessed us with so much. And when we start to focus on that, we can go through life a lot more content and happy knowing that, that God is right there with us, blessing us each and every day. Or we can wake up every day and say, boy, I don't have this, though. I don't have that. And we can start looking at all the things going wrong and, and have that be our sole focus. And I'm not saying that, that when things go wrong that we don't deal with those, but if that consumes us and that's where our focus is all the time, there's no contentment and happiness there. And I've known people that that's where they live every day. How's it going? Well, you go through it, and it's like everything seems to be going wrong in their life. And they're like Eeyore. And we all should be Tigger. So not really. So Tigger's annoying too. But, um, but you know, we can always look at things and say, this is not good, but God can do something with that. So I close up here. Um, my mother just flew in today. From she's, she's in the back there. You can't talk to her, by the way, unless you go through me first because you can't be hearing any stories that I haven't approved. So she's got a list of six things that she can say, and that's it. So, um, But she came in. She's going to be living with us as she's dealing with some cancer that she's been um, fighting through. And I remember when she first called and said that she had cancer back in 2012. And she said she was going through this. And some of the stuff she was saying, she was, she was excited about the fact that she could go in and talk to these nurses and talk to these other p- patients and just share her faith and how she's getting through that because of her faith. And I'm looking and going, there aren't a lot of people that do that. They can sit there and, and look at cancer as something that can be a good thing as far as what she can do with that. And I praise God for a model of that, that when we talk about focusing on the bad or focusing on the good, we can find good if we're looking for it in anything. But you know what? We can find bad in anything if we want it. It's not that hard to do. So I just want to encourage us when we think about what brings contentment. Paul said, I'm content in any circumstance. Whether I'm rich or poor, whether I'm hungry or full, He says, and I can do that because of Christ who strengthens me. I'm able to do that because of the strength that Christ gives me as we go through that. And we understand that in the end, 
we talk about the fact that we're only here temporarily on this earth. That God says, there's going to come a point when we're going to stand before God and give account for our life. That can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. And being good or bad determines is, is determined by the decision we make when we understand that we can't be good enough to get to heaven. We're, we can't do anything on our own to be made right with God. That void that's in our heart, that's in our life, that we try to fill with everything else, that we take a hammer and we try to smack those pieces in to kind of make it fit, it doesn't work. Till we understand that that void can only be filled by Christ. And that's how we're made right with God. And when we stand before God on that judgment day, that's going to be the good day. Because we know that we're right with God because of what Christ did for us. And as it says in Philippians, we can only do that through Christ who strengthens us. Anything that we do in our life comes from the strength that Christ gives us. As you try to live every day, being content, knowing that we've got a God that loves us. Would you stand as we pray? God, thank you so much for the many things that you bless us with every day. Lord, I know that there are people here that are struggling today. They're struggling with health issues. They're they're struggling with loss of loved ones. And many other things that as we talk about this, it seems so easy to stand up here and to say these things and, and just pretend that everything's going great when we know sometimes they aren't. But Lord, we know, as your word says, that you are, you're in control, that your hand is on everything, and, and, and that your word is a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, you want to guide us in the direction that leads to the ultimate happiness, and that's eternity with you. I pray that you'll just help each one in this room understand how much you love them as we go throughout this weekend and the rest of next week. In Jesus' name, amen.